Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome Marcus Garrett to the show. Marcus is a motivational speaker and a number one Amazon Kindle best-selling author of Debt Free or Die Trying. He co-founded an award-winning personal finance business dedicated to helping working professionals make money, save money, and get out of debt, reaching over 2 million downloads before selling his stake in 2020. Today, his brand and business The Marcus Garrett LLC helps employees and entrepreneurs reach FIRE, which is to become financially independent and retire early by monetizing their online brands. Now, your ability to become financially independent and retire early depends on your ability to succeed in the future of wealth. So I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com and learn how to buy, store, and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally, and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers prof-guided on-demand and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and really fun membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $99. If you join, I will help you transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, vet, buy, store, trade, earn, and sell cryptocurrencies, engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto, and create, buy, and trade creative and collectible NFTs. We do all of that in a wonderful community of like-minded, lifelong learners ready to get in and win. If that sounds like you, join us. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to resources and our session schedule. Now, before we hop into the app, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome Marcus Garrett to the show. Now, Marcus is a motivational speaker, an award-winning host of The Marcus Garrett Show, and a number one Amazon Kindle best-selling author of Debt Free or Die Trying. And Marcus co-founded an award-winning personal finance business dedicated to helping working professionals make money, save money, and get out of debt. Using his own tale as an example, I invited him to come on to the show to talk about what debt elimination and wealth building strategies look like in the future of wealth. So we'll talk about all of that and more. But first, Marcus, welcome. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. A part of my three-part focus at Advantage Evans Academy is on the future of work, 
wealth and creativity. I think you know that I come at it from a crypto and decentralized finance point of view, but I have to meet people where they are in terms of preparing them for the future by getting their houses in order today, because there's no winning in the future of the new economy if we don't prepare today. And so I'm hoping that you will help us with all of your expertise and your own experience to move the needle on that and move people forward into true, true financial freedom. So let's start here. But share with the listeners your origin story or what I've experienced through your work, really your testimony that prepared you to be the perfect person to write debt-free or die trying, how I buried myself 30,000 in debt and dug my way out on my way to an 800 FICO score. Like, let's get all of that. So talk to me about that origin story. Well, I I appreciate the esteem. Welcome. I don't know if I'm the uh, perfect person to write it, but I am (laughs) the person who wrote it. Uh, The story goes, I'll do the abridged version and we can go longer as necessary. But the quick version is I was 22 years old in college, uh, took the traditional route of getting a few credit cards, walking through the yard. Uh, The really the difference between me is I got a yo-yo. A lot of people got T-shirts. I I feel a little (laughs) bit special about that. I was was already unique from the beginning. Right. Uh, But I managed to run up $9,000 in debt at age 18, uh, 18 to 22. So I graduated college at 22 with $9,000 in debt. Some people are like, oh, that's nothing. He's doing good for himself. And that's partially because speaking of wealth, uh, my parents were able to fund through Texas, a Texas Tomorrow fund that they had in place where you could lock in rates for college courses. They were able to fund about 90 percent of my courses. They would say it would be 100 percent, but I ended up transferring schools and doing a couple other things. I lost about 11 hours in course hours. So I had (laughs) to pay about $3,000 in student loan debt, um, $9,000 in credit card. And I graduated. I never made more than uh, $9 an hour. My first job after school was $19,600. I remember it because I've told this story a number of times and I Mm. still remember how disappointing that first salary job was. (laughs) And yeah, I got a letter in the mail and now everybody knows these things, but I'm 22. I'd never seen one before. And it was low consolidation loan and one low monthly payment, you know? Right, right. And I'm I'm pretty sure that's how I read it. And that's how I heard it. I was like, oh, wow. Low consolidation, low (laughs) monthly payment, low interest rate. I got to lock this in. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, filled out the form, uh, sent it off, didn't think anything of it. And they sent me a 22 year old who never made more than $9 an hour, a $10,000 check. Right. And, you know, I might have either blacked out. I don't remember a lot of it, but I, I know I spent it all. <laughs> and before the uh, 72 hours later, uh, I bought a car with rims. That was $13,500 of the purchase. And for the people keeping at home, I did pay off one credit card, uh, but I ended up with $26,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. And um, for those, you know, I'm an auditor. So some people are like, they're really, hey, he hasn't hit all the numbers. So the other 3000 was in amazingly, this is the most difficult part for people to believe is I bought a flat screen TV for $3,000 because mm. that's how much they were when they first came out. Like people are like, flat screen TV is like $300. I got it hundred <laughs> in, my, in my home right now for $150. I'm like, look, it was $3,000 when it first came out. I bought it from a, a little store with a C or whatever. Oh, of course I did a loan. So <laughs> that course, was the other $3,000. Yeah. Rounded up to $30,000. So by age 23, I had $30,000 in debt and thus began the journey. 
And that is such an important point. I remember when I first stepped on the yard at Northwestern and before you could even, you get like right past the arches and then there are these three or four tables. And I don't even know if I got a yo-yo. Maybe I got a, like a water bottle perhaps. I don't know. I'm blanked out too, but right. I just knew for the first time I was free and had my own credit card. And it was at a time also when I got everything that was offered, of course, and one of them was the American Express, the early version of the American Express card where you actually had to pay it off at the end of the month. And it maybe it was oh, like yeah. $300, $500, yeah. but that got a lot of um, Chicago pizza, I assure you. And, you know, it's enjoyment today and dealing with whatever the consequences are at some point in the future. Talk about the mindset. Right. And that's predatory behavior. We know that our brains are not fully formed at 18 but we knew that we wanted what we wanted in that moment. A lot of that mindset transfers over into later in life. So talk about that. It's it's funny you say that because that's literally what I wrote down is now they call it predatory lending. I think it's illegal mm-hmm. for them to sell credit cards on the main campus yard. I'm sure they can sell it five feet off the campus yard. There's right. a loophole. But I know that they can't open up tables and sell T-shirts and swag <laughs> and give you a credit card anymore to 18 year olds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, it's interesting because at that time. I really thought that I was the one getting over. I remember thinking mm. like, you know, I can spend as much money as I want and only have to pay $30 at the end, the minimum payment. Like this is, this is amazing. Like these banks are idiots. They're, what, right. They're out here just giving away money. Giving, I think I ran over and told some friends they're giving away money. On the yard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so it, it's definitely fascinating that they, they don't explain the fine print to you. And, and technically they still don't uh, as an adult, everything that I've learned has been by trial and error and reading a lot of books and going through a lot of life experiences. So really the mindset that I have is, you know, you are dad is you don't know what you don't know. And you know, mm. running the numbers now, I, I, I still send people to, cause it's still out there. I almost feel like I'm still sending people to Yahoo, but it's still out there. It's a uh, bankrate.com slash calculators because there's so much competition right now but it was the resource that i used in college or when i finally started to get out of debt and they're they're still available they have every calculator that you can think of and Mm -hmm. at that time i quite literally remember i printed out and saved the pdf for what would ultimately be my plan for a debt-free or die trying and i came to that point so it took another nine years if you will like Mm -hmm. that's another thing that's fascinating about debt is you don't learn overnight because that minimum payment Feel, it feels like you're accomplishing something, but um, if you uh, average credit card debt is about $6,000, if you make the minimum payment on that, I think it's 38 years or something like that before you pay it off. And I'm not making wow. that up. I literally think right. it's 38 years. It, it's something ridiculous. And, um, you know, it took me going to bankrate.com slash calculators and reaching what I call in the book rock bottom when I was hmm. then seven years down the road begging again for a consolidation loan. Because the other part of that mentality, I think we're we're departing from this narrative now. But at that time, you thought you went to school, you got a degree, you got rich. Or at least right. that's what I thought. That's that's the story that I had told. That was the American dream. I was going to walk off the college campus, buy a two story home with a picket fence, <laughs> uh, have some wife and some kids and then make six figures. Like that's right. why I went to college. It didn't quite work out that way. So I, I guess there's like a. You know, there's the life experience and what you think, you know, and then there's the um, but my my mentors, which I I preach a lot of is the accelerated maturation of going through life. Nothing will kick you and knock you down like a life experience will. But I was fortunate to get back up from that and apply these lessons. When you think about that moment when you decided today 
I recognize I'm looking and staring in the face, the proverbial face of this circumstance, this debt. Reconciling, and I will speak from my own personal experience that I created it. There were some things that happened to me, but far more of those things of consume now, worry about it later. And then a fun, you know, I remember my moment in time to say, today, this is a mess. I don't know how long it's going to take to repair this. I'm not going to add to it. But to your point earlier, if I only paid the minimums uh, and tried to snowball and all these other things, I, I, we're looking decades out before this actually happens. What was that right. moment where you said, I am going to commit to this? It's not going to be easy. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to start today. What was that for you? For me, it, it built up over time. So uh, it was like a reflection of loss. So mm. what I talk about a lot is there's always there's always people to help you spend it, very few to help you pay it down. So when I had all these credit Love cards- Love First round's on me. That's, that, yeah. that's who I am. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think my problem was the first round, last round, open, open, <laughs> you know, whatever. I, I didn't have American Express. I had a Discover card. So I was like, go ahead, take that, that black uh, Discover card. Let's go. And do whatever you do with it. <laughs> It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing to me. And so that all started to come to an end. It actually had already come to an end. It's it's interesting how you don't recognize the tidal wave. It's almost like the water's going out the whole time. When you're making the minimum mm. payment, that tsunami, that's the water going out. <laughs> wow. And then one day you can't make the minimum payment anymore. And that's the tsunami coming in. So it comes yes. back to collect on you. And I was working three jobs and I still still couldn't make the minimum payment at this right. point. Uh, I was nearly paid off on that used car with rims that I had bought by now. Um, <laughs> I was working at a hotel chain. I had a traditional nine to five. I was making 50,000 now. I know because I was always chasing money. That's another thing. Right. Because I, I thought the key to freedom was more money. So I was like, I'll just chase the next paycheck, the next raise instead of getting my financial life in order. The girlfriend that had helped me buy that flat screen TV <laughs> had gone, gone on to better things. Don't even get me started. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. So and left me with all the debt I might add. So, right. so she she left debt free. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm back in uh, then Austin, Texas. I graduated in Huntsville, Texas. For anyone that, that mm. means something to. And then I was putting. I, I've been apologizing over the years because I had a part time job putting computers together, and I know I hated that job, and I know I built some badly built computers. So <laughs> if you had a Dell computer. Between the years of like 2005 and 2008, I apologize to you. That might have been me. And I know I was slapping. I took a lot of frustration out on the computers. I was slapping them together. might have been some parts missing and everything like that. But, you know, I'm 23 years old and I got $30,000 in debt. I got problems. Yes. And so it, all of that in culmination, I was like, this cannot continue. This is not the life that I had planned for myself or I saw for myself. And then the final moment was when I called this call center, really, and I'd worked in a call center before, just how dis emotionally dismissive the person was on the phone. Like I was at a point where I was like, if he doesn't approve this consolidation loan, I literally don't know what I'm going to do next. Because like most right. things, you wait till the last second. You wait till a time of crises. And I was in a time of crises when I applied for this consolidation loan. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, what's your credit score? You know, how much are your monthly payments? What is your total interest? What is your average interest? And there wasn't a question that he asked besides maybe my first and last name and home address that I got correct. And as I was walking through that, during that call, I said, I'll, I will never be in this position again. So that was, that was my aha moment, although it came out of a point of crisis. It did. Yes. It was the final pivot. 
understand that that rock bottom that people can experience yeah. in a, a range of ways and that you mentioned earlier. So let's transition into the acronym of debt. So for those of you who don't have the book and after you finish listening to this, please go buy it. The link is in the show notes. So we have debt free or die trying, but I see D-E-B-T. What does that acronym stand for? So as you open with, that's actually a second edition re-release. So the first book was Debt Free or Die Trying, How I Buried Myself $30,000 in Debt and Dug My Way Out by Age 30. Um, like most ah. slash 30-year-olds, yeah, I, you, you think 30 is the end and it's a milestone. And now that I'm 39, <laughs> I'm like, ah, it, it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's funny because I, I just did an interview. Um, I, I was part of another book. A journalist interviewed me for her book. And her book is uh, how 30-year-olds are redefining adulthood it's uh, mm -hmm. but you're still so young and so she talks about the traditional milestones of adulthood and there's five i might not be able to commit all five of them to memory but it's basically getting married having children financial freedom and two others that escape me <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but whatever the case was i had hit three out of five uh, not by age 30 so i thought 30 was an important milestone when i first wrote the book and then you know as i moved forward in life uh i've gotten you know doing the coaching during the podcasting i'm old school i've been podcasting since 2013 it's uh, right. like I'm, I'm an old podcast head so if you can be <laughs> such a thing i am one and so um I rewrote the book like with more focus on less about chronological order and getting the lesson across. So now building up to that, the acronym is debt, as you said, which is D, define the problem, E, establish a plan, B, build a budget and T, trust the process. So that's the mm -hmm. four step plan. When you when you remove it from chronological order, that's the system, which is what I focus on a lot now that moves you from goal setting to goal achievement. In this case, for me, it was getting out of debt. When you think about those four focal points, is there one that is the greatest challenge across the board? You work with so many people, so you hear all the stories, you have so much rich data from which to focus on. Is there one part of that system that people really struggle with or just depends on the person? No, I think the most difficult part for people to stick to is to trust the process. Um, mm -hmm. And that's because usually the length of time that it's going to take you to get out of debt, if I had to estimate, would be twice as long as it took you to get into debt. And mm -hmm. the reason is because getting into debt is fun. It's very simple. Like, you know, I had one good weekend. I was twenty six thousand dollars in debt. Like, right. like getting into debt is the exciting part of the story. You're in college, uh, you're in school. You know, a lot of us have student loan debt. And so now, you know, with the pandemic and things like that, there's health related debt in America. You're, you're one health related crises from bankruptcy. Amen. And so getting into debt is easy. Uh, that's the simple part. So trust the process is the difficult part because let's say it took me three years or excuse me, it took me 72 hours to get into, into debt. It took me seven years to get rid of the debt. Uh, mm -hmm. When you start combining all the interest and all the time that it took place for me to actually sit down and focus. It took me about 36 months once I actually focused, which gets me back to what's most important part to me in the plan myself as an auditor right. is the system, which is establish a plan. It's the second step. And for people who are interested, I generally advise that they go to uh, annualcreditreport.com. They can get it for free right there and they can get it from all three bureaus, which is Equifax, TransUnion and Experian. So you can get it for free there. That's generally where I send people. Um, but however, it's it's less important about how you get it. But I just find that most people don't have a plan. And to be fair, neither did I at 23. My plan was to I wanted to get out of debt. I just kept saying two years from the time that I made the declaration and I never mm -hmm. 
I never sat down and did the math behind it because that's not fun. You know, the, the goal setting and the declaration is fun. It's like a New Year's resolution. And then you forget it by February and you spend the next nine months <laughs> not following the plan. And so while establishing a plan is the most important, I think trusting the process is the most difficult. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. There's a more cost-effective and time-efficient way to reach your leading-edge learning and earning goals, to put you ahead of the stiff competition in this fast-paced, tech-driven economy. You need skills, credentials, and a fast track to a competitive advantage. You need it now more than ever, and I can help. The Advantage Evans method puts you ahead of the curve with condensed, comprehensive online courses, curated content to leverage your current skills and expertise, live coaching, networking opportunities, and more. Upcoming courses include From Cash to Crypto to help you buy your first Bitcoin, and there are two ways to get your advantage. Advantage Evans Encore gives you maximum experience for your total competitive advantage and access for one year. It includes a live welcome and modules on terminology, buying and selling, exchanges, mining, earning crypto, trading and investing, and also several of the legal issues you need to know in order to be safe and secure as you enter this space. That includes tax compliance, how to plan for a Bitcoin estate, and securities laws to make sure you avoid any legal unforced errors. Now, Advantage Core gives you the essentials. It's a short course to give you what you want and the support you need to buy your first crypto in as little as three weeks with access to the information and replays for three months. And if you're not quite ready for your Advantage and want a sneak peek to try before you buy, then register for a free masterclass where I share my Crypto 101 success checklist and cover current hot topics in crypto. So there truly is something for everyone, including you, to get in on the fast track and learn and earn in the digital economy. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get started. That's AdvantageEvans.com. And now, back to the conversation. When I think about particularly communities of color, but many professionals were raised to get this great this good government job or whatever the equivalent is for you, right? Whatever the six-figure job you described your ideal earlier and certainly, well, first become educated, get a job, buy a home, probably some life insurance, and then that's that on that. But high income, because it's taxed at such a high rate, I know that those who really build wealth, and we're talking about now, and and then my next question will focus on what the future of of wealth and money look like. But this idea of 
earning to get out of debt seems like a great challenge, especially when we're thinking about generational wealth that is often built on appreciating assets and passing those appreciating assets down over time. And they're also taxed at a lower rate. So some of the mindset shift seems to be focused on even what we spend our money on. If it's going to be on the side of hyper-consumerism that gets us into debt or to spend things, you know, spend money on things that are going to make money so that everything in this house makes money. So your thought on the balance of income and certainly paying off debt, a contrary view, but also in addition to that, the wealth building strategy of appreciating assets, uh, business ownership, you're an entrepreneur as well. So perhaps that has had a major impact on, on how you've positioned yourself for generational wealth as well. Well, it's actually been fascinating uh, for someone who has focused so long on personal finance, uh, writing a book in 2016 and 2020. I've technically written three, uh, two are still for release. I really didn't have a holistic approach to wealth building. It's almost like it. I thought it would be something that would happen naturally. And it's really mm -hmm. something you need to do with intention, uh, both from a, a if it's a family perspective, uh, and I'll use this example, um, and I used it recently. I was sitting down with my my parents. Uh, my parents were financially independent, retired early, but they never knew they were fired before. They retired at 50, uh, both of them in their 50s, um, wow. which is about 10 years ahead of the average. And like you said, both got good government jobs, but they're the first college educated individuals on both sides of their family. They made a purposeful decision to provide for myself, in this case, my sister, that like if we chose to go to college, that they would pay for as much as they could to assist us in doing that and moving that forward because they thought that was important. But I don't think they had, at least if they did, they didn't disclose this to me like that. I don't think they had this grandiose generational wealth mm -hmm. concept. It's just like we are going to make this decision to do this at least this one thing and, you know, provide a stable financial home for our kids while, you know, we're growing up. So that is one choice that they made for us. And I imagine several sacrifices they had to do in order to to make that come to fruition. Although it's as I, I talked recently to a financial advisor on my show, um, Kevin Matthews, and he has a whole book on generational wealth. That's also a much easier decision to do when you do it for your children, because uh, he said in his example, if his parents had invested $83 a month in Apple, he would have been a millionaire <laughs> when right. he learned that his parents should have invested $83 a month in Apple. He learned it while he was an intern in Wall Street. Mm. You know, I'm sure he felt some type of way about it. <laughs> but what he said is with that new information, I will not have my children wait until they grow up and say only if. What mm. if? And so I say all that to say I, I don't have any children uh, yet. I'm, I'm engaged. And oh. it's more you have to think about a future in which you are not be a part of. I think it's very difficult. Uh, and as you said, unfortunately, uh, for uh, persons of color, uh, a lot of times because we don't see it to think of a future they're not a part of. Like, how do I start thinking? Because generational wealth, I think a lot of people, they talk about generational wealth, but they're fundamentally talking about financial independence because they're talking about right. themselves in a 25 to 40 year period. And generational wealth is like your children. What is your family, your grandparents? How are they going to be set up for sex? Like, how is the family and how is this wealth going to be passed down? To me, yes. anyway, that's true generational wealth. And I had to evolve and expand my thinking to also keep that in mind. Cause like you were saying, I was like, oh, I'll just get out of debt. And I remember the exact day I had an aha moment. It was on a podcast interview. Um, mm. And we were talking to a team that focuses on financial independence. And he just casually said, getting out of debt gets you back to broke, it gets right. you back to zero. 
<laughs> and so I had climbed out of 30,000 to get back to zero. Now I'm fortunate that I, you know, I had a pension and I did have some savings at that time. I had like 20,000 or something like that, um, that I had started up as part of this journey, but I really didn't have a holistic picture of how I was going to build and establish wealth. And that was, you know, five or 10 years ago now. Um, but I'm still always trying to do a better job of evolving that. Cause you're right that for most people, I should say, your salary alone might not get you there. And I would say almost for all people, it is a much more difficult race, more difficult race to just rely on a salary to get you there. Because for average people about, I think they say age 40, I think it's 48 for men and younger mm-hmm. for women that your your salary will functionally stagnate across like 90% of careers. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is that you will never see a functional raise that exceeds once you account for inflation after about age 48. Now, you think right. about my parents retired early at 50, and the average American retired at 60. That's 20 more years of the exact same pay. Right. Now, how many years have you, and we got 6% inflation this year. How many years have gone by where your bills remain the same? Right. Right. We'll wait. Um, if you know, you can drop it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I just, but I'm I just sure. fade to black right there. I'll fade, right. Exactly. I'll fade to black. <laughs> Yes, that is really, really important. And and that was an entire word when you think of getting out of debt gets you back to broke, like your break even, that the, the operative word in that is break, also known as broke. Yeah. Um, and how do you move? <laughs> <laughs> that was real talk. That was real talk. I felt that. Yeah. And then so the plan going forward, when you think, first of all, let me ask this question. When you think and talk about, let's focus on wealth. Because it is one thing, you have this incredible strategy to get their head above water. And then the real fun begins of making sure that those who come after you don't have to suffer the same fate. Because we know that if someone dies without passing on appreciable wealth or any wealth, then the next generation is not starting from scratch. You're starting from behind. We also know what the wealth gap is for the black versus white wealth gap as well. And and several hundred years would go into eradicating that. But when I, I'm really encouraged by the future of wealth, when I think about all of the the mix of assets that are now in play for folks who are systemically marginalized in other areas. And that's why, although the lawyer in me, obviously, and this is always not legal or financial advice, educating people that they have options and giving them, empowering them with information so they get to make a different choice. And part of that will be crypto, but part of that is stocks, part of that is real estate, part of that is entrepreneurship. When you think about the future of wealth, how do you see it? And how are you, if at all, pivoting your message when you are counseling and working with people and, and through your own podcast and your newsletter? I would say it's important to determine what it looks like for you. And I would say you being the proverbial listening audience. And then I'll talk about my story. And it, it's changed over time. It's changed as I've gotten engaged. It's changed as I, I've grown older. It's changed as I've been able to enjoy my job more because there was a time where I had to, in my mind, become financially independent because I hated my job. (laughs) So I needed this parachute of financial independence to get off this airplane that that in my mind was about to crash. But after I got into a job, same career field, but job that I enjoy um, establishing this podcast and making revenues from that and establishing multiple revenue streams, I'm like, okay, maybe this whole time I thought I had to, you know, just for simplification, because most people know it, reach fire, financial independence, retire early. And maybe it's just I needed to find a way to make multiple income streams from things I enjoy doing 
and could do whether that's to 40, 50, 60 mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, until whatever that time period may be. And so that has been a shift because I've been a, I've been fortunate to establish multiple income streams where I don't really have to depend on any one. If I, hell, if they all perform great, I'd love it because <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fine by me. But it, it usually fluctuates. The example I use, uh, someone asked recently why I don't do the podcast full time. And I have a simple answer to that is this year. And I, I just bundle everything. The themarcusgarrett.com, my best month uh, was $9,755. And people were like, how the hell does he know this stuff? Because I mean, I, I crunch all these numbers every month. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. my worst month was $810. So that's the answer right. to the question. Like, yes, if I could live, yes, that if I could do that $9,000 month or more every month, you know, great. But I don't want to do the month where I lived on $800. Amen. Uh, that would not have been good for me. And so it's <laughs> nice to know that, yes, during this $800 month, I still got that biweekly paycheck coming from the job that I no longer hate. Right. <laughs> uh, whereas in a different in a different place, and I was at a, uh, in a, a job that I did not like uh, bordering on hate and maybe possibly hate it. It's <laughs> that's a different conversation. So, you know, it's di- it's easier to do work that you enjoy for longer periods of time. Uh, and I think that's I think that gets lost sometimes because people are like it's an either or scenario. So right. uh, the simplest simplest to solve is finding a job you like that pays as much money as possible. That's my, right. that's stream number one. And I've been fortunate there. Uh, for the wealth side of it, I would really like to do the thing that I enjoy full time. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm also fairly conservative, too. So mm-hmm. I'm not a leap out the plane without a parachute guy. I talk <laughs> yes. a lot about that on the show. Like, that's just not how I got several friends are like, look, man, they made me mad on Monday. I was out the office. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what you, what you going to do? They're like, man, I don't know. But I know I'm not going back to that office. I'm like, man, good luck to you. I text good while luck. I'm in my office, you know, <laughs> Even though, even though as miserable as I was, I'm like, man, I'm gonna go ahead and collect this little biweekly paycheck till I figure some things out. I just don't have that in me. But if that's whom you are, I empower that as well. Let's come up with a system for that to be successful. And then working backwards from, I was, I literally had this conversation with my fiance. uh, It might have been a few days ago, where it's like, you know, I'm the shift in mindset of what failure looks like to me, because I'm like, oh man, I thought, I thought I'd reach five financial independence, 25 times your income or whatever by age 40, which would be, well, counting down now, cause I turned 39, it'd be 12 months from now. Right. And I was like, you know, I thought I'd be here. I thought I'd be there. And she's like, you know, but you, you, you've written three books, you got a successful podcast and like, and this is something I struggle with mentally anyway. Like I, I struggle with finishing races. I like to run races mm. and I, I the way I could look at wealth is backing back from 67. If I just saved $500 a month at this point, because I'm not starting from scratch, it, right. I'd be a millionaire, which is one of the goals that I had for myself. Because in my mind, that's that's solid what wealth looks like. And your number might be 2 million. It might be 5 million. There are several calculators that you can back into it from, which goes back to establishing a plan. Like what's, what's the number? Like what's that number going to be for you? And so I could just easily put that aside every month, uh, either from business profits or my own. And that would be wealth. I would be wealthy at 67. The problem was my race was wealth at 40. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so that might look different. And then just kind of to to tie off this conversation, obviously, if you're going to make it 67 or, or anytime you give yourself a longer opportunity to run the race, there is more different strategies you can use to run that race. And as we talked about, I'll end with this story. Mm -hmm. Um, My 
friend's father passed and he had insurance. I don't know all the details, but mm-hmm. I know his insurance paid for it. the house, paid off his debt, paid off all the cars that they owned. Right. And that is wealth too. Like they walked away financially free from this unfortunate event because he had the foresight to plan for a life that he would not be a part of. Right, right. No, that's a powerful reminder. There are many different paths. You have to be ready for when it occurs. And so the mindset shift is when I have that next opportunity, however it comes, I know a a number of crypto millionaires overnight, but they will not be millionaires in a year if they are not prepared for that. We know of the stories, at least, I don't know anyone from my own personal experience who's, who's hit the lottery, but we know all of those cautionary tales of someone who is not ready for the influx of that. So there are many gems that you shared with folks. I want them to continue to learn and grow from and with you. Tell folks about the resources that you have available and how they can continue to connect with you and learn more about your work. Well, yeah, as you've uh, probably heard me allude to, I have my own podcast at The Marcus Garrett Show. We have weekly entertaining conversation with your favorite influencers and entrepreneurs. Like I said, it's something I enjoy. I've been trying to look at ways to monetize that. And then more traditionally, I have two courses. I have the debt-free course, uh, which just walks you through the book. It's a video course. And then I also have Your Life After Debt, which will be my focus. It's kind of where I am in my life and the focus that I'll have for 2022 and beyond because I just felt like a lot of conversations are just, they stop at debt management. And so that one's a bundled course and it talks about employee to entrepreneur. It talks about how I multiply my income streams. Every time I learn something new, I've brought on YouTube, I brought on Instagram. Every time I bring on a monetization stream that works, um, I just bring that into the course. And then next year I'm going to open up uh, coaching office hours so we can come together as a community and have the rising tide lifts all boats. So what are folks doing out there? What's successful? And let's lift each other as a community. And I'm part of several other masterminds and communities and bringing those those thought leaders and subject matter experts in. And folks can join for free. They can find all that as well as get a free webinar at themarcusgarrett.com slash webinar. And that's how much debt can you afford on a thirty, fifty, and $100,000 salary. It'll walk you through a lot of the calculators and tools that we've talked about today. Again, that's themarcusgarrett.com slash webinar. That's perfect. So for everybody who's in from cash to crypto or decode the future, no work that we do will actually take root if you don't have the fundamentals. If you don't have the fundamental foundation for full and complete understanding, if you don't have the plan, if you don't have the vision, that vision starts with the foundation that Marcus is talking about. Please, please, please reach out and get these resources so we can get clear that we can build a solid foundation and that we can not only go, but grow. Marcus shared so much great information about the power of getting clear, accessing the right tools and support, preparing a plan and trusting yourself and the process. It may not be easy, but it is worth it. Visit themarcusgarrett.com for more information and sign up for his free newsletter and webinar. The future of wealth is now and it begins with you. Now, before we get out of here, remember to visit advantageevans.com and learn how to buy, store, and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally, and confidently. The tech and legal landscape really can be tricky if you're trying to figure this all out on your own on somewhere like YouTube University. (laughs) I've done the hard work to make it all make sense so you don't have to. And if you're ready for your advantage, let's go and let's grow.
Before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.